Hello, I'm Sarah Pollock and this is In the News from the Irish Times. Today we ask, why is the EU fining Poland 1 million euro per day and why should we care? On Wednesday, the European Union's Court of Justice ruled that Poland has to pay a 1 million euro fine every single day because of its controversial judicial reforms, reforms that the EU says are illegal. The European Court of Justice says Warsaw failed to heed an earlier EU ruling that demanded changes to some of Poland's judicial reforms. The fine is believed to be the biggest the EU has ever imposed on one of its own members. And it's just the latest flashpoint in growing tensions between the EU and Poland, its fifth most populous member. Since coming to power, Poland's ruling Law and Justice Party has radically overhauled how the country's judges are appointed. It has also set up a special court to judge the judges themselves. Critics say that this disciplinary chamber is designed to exert political power over the judiciary. The EU's decision found that the Polish Supreme Court's new disciplinary chamber did not guarantee independence in clear violation of EU law. The EU says it will keep fining the Polish government every day until the chamber is suspended. Meanwhile, the Polish Prime Minister, Mateusz Morawiecki, is accusing the EU of blackmail and coercion. It is not acceptable to impose decisions on others without legal basis. It is not acceptable to use financial blackmail. But what does this all mean for Poland's status as an EU member? If it doesn't want to follow EU rules, could it even decide to leave? Derek Scally is the Irish Times Berlin correspondent and he writes regularly about politics and culture in Poland. Derek, Poland's populist conservative government has been a thorn in the side of EU officials for quite some time now. But this week, the EU is hitting back with heavy financial penalties for Poland's ruling law and justice or peace party. What has pushed them to do this? I think desperation on two fronts. Uh, The first front is that this party in Poland has been in power since 2015 and it promised its voters a revolution and they have delivered a revolution. They've delivered a revolution in public television. Uh, They've made it sort of a government propaganda station and they've delivered a revolution in the judicial system where they've just completely overhauled how judges are appointed and who chooses who the judges in Poland are. And the suspicion, uh, the fear of critics is that this is all part of a long-term plan to create a judiciary which is utterly beholden to the governing party piece. Um, So that's the one uh, front. And the other front is that basically the European Commission in Brussels has been flagging this for years, saying this is a danger to EU fundamental rights and a danger to the EU as a whole. But politicians really are always very, uh, very unwilling to intervene in what they see as other countries' uh, sovereign uh, domestic affairs. So it's, it's been bubbling up for six years. The European Commission has been fighting this battle with Poland But, you know, the European Commission has battles with lots of countries and it was really only in the last few days, in the last week, that this has become the political existential issue it always was. People are finally realising that this is not just about Poland, this is about the whole EU. The rule of law is the glue that binds our union together. It is the foundation of our unity. It is essential for the protection of the values on which our union is founded. And that's, I think, the fine is a sign of the desperation of the European Commission and of the uh, Court of Justice of the European Union in Luxembourg. They're saying this is existential. Deal with it to the politicians. 
You mentioned there that this is a danger to the EU as a whole. I mean, me sitting here in Dublin, you sitting in Berlin, a person sitting in Paris or Lisbon or Madrid. Why is this important to people across the EU? Why should we be worried about what's happening in Poland? It's it's what's happening with Poland is effectively like Brexit, but the the country, the British equivalent, which is Poland, is not planning to leave the EU. So you know the whole row over Brexit is who has the final word over food standards, or can we be sure a contract uh, signed in Britain between a British company and a, a European company will that contract still be valid in the future? You know we need legal certainties whether it's on food standards or trading partnerships, and Poland is basically saying we know best. Our courts are supreme. We will decide what's best for us. But the whole principle of the EU is, um, it doesn't work that way. It works on the basis of the supremacy of EU law. And that's how you know EU courts and EU countries, they all agree that other countries, they trust each other. And uh, what Poland has been doing by creating a judiciary that may or may not be politically dependent on the government, that's no longer an independent judiciary. Can you trust them that they will decide fairly? Uh, and if you cannot be sure of that, other countries and other courts will say, we, we're not working with them anymore. And once that starts to happen, the whole trust element, the whole legal certainty element of the EU falls apart. Then you can't export goods. Then you cannot do exchanges. Then you cannot do anything that we associate with the EU because the, the legal certainty and the and the political trust, which is the foundation of the EU, and it's all overseen by the Court of Justice in Luxembourg, that basically all just collapses. And before this week, before this week's financial fine, the European Commission had been sending warning signals to Warsaw for quite quite a while. And they'd been accusing Polish officials of undermining the rule of law and the other rights that underpin EU membership. Why is that? And they basically said they see a pattern. Uh, they see a pattern in what law and justice has been doing. Um, there have been several, several reform waves over the years. They started with the constitutional court, which is the highest court in the country. And they made sure they created, they appointed new judges illegally, says everybody except them. They created, they called doppelgangers. So they're, they're, they're now sitting in this court, but nobody's quite sure should they be there. They ignored judges that have been appointed by a previous parliament. Uh, so you have from the top, and this, this procedure has continued all the way through the legal system, right down to the local courts. So you have judges who are appointed that nobody's quite sure are they legally appointed. And if they're not necessarily legally appointed, what about their rulings? So you've got this whole dual system now in Poland. You've got sort of judges who have been there for a long time pronouncing their rulings on cases. But then you have these new judges, many of whom are friends or ideological comrades of the peace party who are um, issuing their rulings and people are saying, mm, well, is that really an independent ruling? And, and, and the sort of, you've got almost like a dual legal system in Poland. And, and uh, the EU has been saying, this is very serious. Uh, this is very problematic. And then um, there's the whole issue of how you appoint judges has been completely overhauled. So it's now the body that appoints judges is controlled by the parliament, so the parliamentary majority of the ruling party. Uh, so any independence there has been has been taken away. And then we have this disciplinary chamber, which um, if you're a judge in Poland, you can be hauled before this disciplinary chamber. And your future as a judge is no longer as independent um as it would have been in the past. Before we chat about the disciplinary chamber, can you tell me a bit more about what has caused this friction to build up between the EU and Poland over the past few years? Aside from the judicial changes, there have been other measures that Peace Party has been implementing that are angering and infuriating EU officials. Can you give me some examples of those? 
Yes, I mean, the 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 uh, judicial row is really just a symptom of a deeper cultural war, effectively. Um, law and justice, uh, a bit like Viktor Orban's party in Hungary, they're a national conservative populist party. They sort of, they straddle left and right in the political spectrum, socially conservative, economically quite left wing sometimes, and, and they've been quite popular with, particularly with lower earners who feel they were left behind by the transformation process uh, after 1990. And uh, the, the government is in its second term and it is said that, you know, the EU has gone too far. It is now a liberal um, propaganda outfit and this is out of keeping with Polish values. Poland is reminds me sometimes of, of Ireland back in, you know, the sort of the late Catholic days. There's lots of people who've walked away from the Catholic Church, but the Catholic Church in Poland still has considerable sway. It's socially conservative and they, peace is basically uh, tapped into people's feelings of unease about transformation, about change about opening up to the world, about liberalism. And um, and they're tapping this and they're saying, we are a defender of Polish values. We are under attack from the EU. We must defend Polish values. And when you've had a history like Poland, you know, being attacked by neighbours and um, the Nazi occupation, hugely traumatic, huge number, millions and millions of deaths. Um, anyone who defends Poland or promises to defend Poland, that touches a very deep nerve. So that's what's been going on. But the EU European Commission saying behind all of that rhetoric, um, they're actually just turning Poland into an authoritarian state. And how are all these changes impacting the Polish people? I mean, obviously not everyone in the country supports the Law and Justice Party. There's a, a pretty big divide down the population. So how are people's daily lives affected? Well, at the moment, it's minorities are being affected. For instance, LGBT uh, groups are, they've been declared persona non grata by the Polish government as part of its sort of pushback against what it sees as liberal Western values. So those people, minorities are being affected. Pride marches last year or the year before were were attacked by far-right groups who sort of feel they've been given almost permission by the government to defend Polish values by beating people up. Um, but at the moment, it's sort of a creeping, it's a creeping change for most ordinary polls. Most ordinary polls won't really notice too much going on. They might no longer watch the Polish evening news because they feel it's just quite one-sided. But what it is, is people are starting to talk about when they, you know, most people don't need to go to the court, but maybe sometime in your life you might, maybe you're, you think your pension has been calculated wrongly, or maybe you're in a custody battle with your ex-partner. And slowly people are realizing that the courts are not necessarily operating as they should and they're not 100% sure that the judge that they're talking to, are they there because they're the best person for the job? Were they chosen by their peers or were they chosen by a political party? And, you know, right up to the constitutional court, uh, which is the final word on these things, they've, you know, the, the head of the court there is a highly controversial woman among her peers. Many people question her her legal um, her legal abilities. I mean, if you want to be con president of the constitutional court, you really want to be on top of your brief. But many people question that, but they do point to she has a quite close relationship to Jarosław Kaczynski, who's the head of the ruling party. So it's at the low level, people are, it's only when you come into contact with courts, I think that it becomes clear. But anyone who's a judge who's really come into contact with this, there's sort of an atmosphere of fear there. And, you know, there's sort of a self-censorship going on among judges that they, they need to rule in a certain way. And God forbid them if they actually see a, a case where they really have to ask a question and put that question to the Court of Justice in the European Union. Warsaw doesn't want that anymore. Any judge who does that, any judge who says, I have a case here and it's, it's a point, it's a, a, a knotty point of EU law, I need to ask Luxembourg how I should proceed on this. Um, they will find them, they will 
have the whole weight of the of the new justice system come down on them. So it's quite a, an unpleasant atmosphere for many judges. So earlier this month in October, um, relations between Brussels and Warsaw over all these changes that have been happening came to a head. Can you tell me what happened? What happened was that Poland's constitutional court, which is headed by a woman who's quite close to uh, the chairman of the ruling party, and it basically reached breaking point where the, the court said that uh, the primacy of Polish law beat the primacy of European law. So this sort of upended a principle um, which we've been talking about, which is if you're a member of the EU, sign up to the idea that uh, the EU and the Court of Justice of the EU, which guards the EU treaties, has the final word. And the the Constitutional Court uh, was asked by the government to look at this issue. And they decided, no, Polish law, the Polish constitution is the final word. And we have we alone have sovereignty over that. So that's that. And which, of course, if, if everyone decided on that, well, then we'd have um, every member state making its own final interpretation of EU law, which is the beginning of the end of the EU. Now, a nuclear strike on the EU legal order. Huge protests have taken place in Poland to show support for the European Union after the nation's constitutional court ruled this week that the Polish constitution overrides some EU laws. And so this is part of a basically a long-term to and fro between Brussels uh, and, and Luxembourg, where the European court sits, and Warsaw. So it's really a disastrous ruling. Um, but, and people say it was basically the co- constitutional court proving that it is a political plaything now because it was asked by the government to rule a certain way and, um, and it ruled that way. And we now basically have an utter standoff where we don't know, does Poland, Poland says it doesn't want to leave the EU, but if it views the EU in this way, which is the EU is secondary to how we interpret the law, um, then really the question is how much more future does Poland actually have in the EU? Critics of the right-wing nationalist government fear that the court ruling could lead to so-called polexit, or Poland being forced to leave the EU over a rejection of the bloc's laws and values. Coming up, why Poland's refusal to follow the rules is shaking the foundations of the European Union. Stepping back to these judicial changes that have been made in recent years, the main point of contention here for the EU is Poland's newly created disciplinary chamber for the Supreme Court. Can you tell us why this was set up and what sort of impact it's had on Poland's judicial system over the past few years? Yes, the disciplinary chamber was set up as a new chamber within the Supreme Court. So you have the Constitutional Court is the most the highest court, but it usually just rules on constitutional issues and points of law. The Supreme Court is sort of the final, the final stage for most cases. And inside this court, a new chamber has been set up. And this chamber is there to overview the judicial system and how judges work. We had a case actually earlier this month which really sort of summarised how this works. It was the case of a judge called Waldemar Zurek and Mr Zurek said he had been uh, given a new job in a regional court and it was effectively a demotion. And he went through the went through the legal system to challenge his this change. He challenged his employer. What happened was, just as it was about to go to the final instance, the final appeal in the Supreme Court, another chamber of the Supreme Court, this disciplinary chamber, basically lifted out the case, looked at the file, uh, and a one-judge panel, so a single judge who was in this disciplinary chamber, he basically dismissed his appeal as inadmissible. 
he didn't review the file and he just threw it out. And this case went before the Court of Justice of the European Union and they said, this is outrageous, this can't be happening. And it, it sent the case back to Poland and it said, look, um, we really have doubts about whether the chamber responsible for that ruling, this one-man disciplinary chamber, uh, whether it constitutes an independent and impartial tribunal established by law. And it basically said, it, it recommended that this decision to throw out this judge's complaint and be declared null and void. The Court of Justice of the EU said transfers of judges without their consent are, quote, potentially capable of undermining the principles of the irremovability of judges and a way of exercising control over the content of judicial decisions. So it's basically saying if you have a disciplinary chamber like this, if judges are constantly looking over their shoulders, we cannot be sure that they will be operating for the good of the country and they will be adhering to the law. And we cannot be sure, and this is the European point, that you know people have access to their fundamental right to a fair trial. And that's where the EU says we are entitled to intervene in these cases. Meanwhile, Poland will say the courts are our business, that's our sovereign issue, keep out. So we have two interpretations of whether or not the EU is entitled to intervene. What are the judges themselves saying about this? I mean, are they speaking out about their ability to make independent, unbiased judgments under the ruling power of the Law and Justice Party? No, most judges are really keeping quite quiet. They're afraid. Uh, Some judges have used this system to advance their careers, we have to be honest. But very few of them, including Valdemar Jurek, are actually going all the way to the European courts. The judges who are protesting this have really drummed up support from the European colleagues. I attended the march, I think it must be two years ago, through Warsaw from judges all over Europe. And judges really tend not to be public figures. It's not like in the US. Judges tend to prefer to be behind the scenes, but they marched through Warsaw, including in their robes, saying, wake up Europe, this is very, very serious. I think the judges who are protesting in in Warsaw and around Poland do have the support of their colleagues around Europe, but the trouble is there hasn't really been much political support or political will so far to actually intervene in this. And I would say they've just been sort of lazy sitting back thinking, oh, we'll let the Commission sort this out. Um, But we saw last week it sort of burst onto the political agenda after sort of bubbling up for six years. It's also worth noting that in July of this year, the European Court of Justice ordered that this disciplinary chamber be suspended. And a few weeks later, Poland actually said it was shutting down the chamber. So why is it still functioning? This is the big question. Nobody quite understands. I mean, people, the, the Polish government yesterday said, you know, this path of punishments and blackmail isn't the right way and it completely disregards the fact that we're actually planning to close this down. But as you said, that was agreed. They said they'd do it uh, months ago. They haven't done it. That's why the European Commission went back to the court and said, look, we know you're still uh, reviewing this case and it may take some time. Uh, but while you're reviewing it, we would strongly recommend that you intervene and do these interim measures. So the court agreed and they that's why they imposed the fine. It will now have to make good what it promised to do and it will look like from its perspective as a tactical retreat it has to do this now after not once but twice being told to so um, it'll be very interesting how they frame that. And does the EU really believe Warsaw will listen this time and pull back on its control of the country's courts and judges? I mean what is the EU's overall strategy for, for dealing with Poland right now? 
I think it's really the the chickens have come home to roost now, and it's it's quite late in the day to try to do something. And there's disagreement even among the politicians about what should be done. Some people were saying last week, some EU leaders, that we should suspend funding to the EU, in particular uh, this billions of euro in emergency pandemic funding, um, which Poland was expecting. Why should they be giving money, they said, to a country that doesn't really respect the legal foundation of the EU? and then is endangering the rest of us. Other people, like um, Chancellor Merkel, had said, look, this is a political row. We're not going to solve this by going through the courts. That could do more damage. But the trouble with that is she's probably right, except um, for two things. Number one, where is your political solution? I mean, there's been six years that they could have come up with a political solution to this. Nobody actually in the EU bothered, none of the politicians saying, well, what is our political solution? So to say we need a political solution without actually offering a solution or even the, the semblance of a solution. I, you know, it's borderline cynical. And the second issue is, is our fundamental rights in the EU a political issue? Um, many people would say no. Fundamental rights, the right to a free trial is fundamental. It is non-negotiable. So if you're negotiating with a country over whether or not it will allow people have access to a fair trial, I think you're getting into dangerous territory. Some people would even say appeasement. So um, we're really, it's very late into the day. Things have gotten very far and Poland is outraged. It feels it's being bullied, it's being blackmailed and people are intervening in its sovereign affairs, which I suppose if you've been tinkering with your judicial system for six years and nobody else has really paid any attention, when they do pay attention and try to intervene, of course you're going to feel like it's uh, you're being bullied. But um, that's really because this should have been dealt with many, many years ago. And I was actually about to ask, I mean, what has the Polish government been saying in the last few days this week in response to this daily million euro fine? Are they willing to pay it or are they going to ignore it? It's what's strange is we haven't actually had, uh, last time I checked in here, we hadn't had a reaction from um, the Prime Minister, Matthias Morawiecki. He has been speaking the last days about, you know, the EU is holding a gun to our head and so on. I would not have you uh, politicians blackmail Poland. Blackmail must not be a method of uh, policy conducted vis-à-vis a certain member state. The Justice Minister, who's crucial to all of this, uh, has also said nothing. So there's a real sense, I think, that they need to sort of put their heads together and come up with a strategy because this has escalated really quite quickly. Each side is sort of pulling out an even bigger gun and putting it on the table. So I don't really know what's the next. Either, either Poland has to pull out an even bigger gun saying we're leaving, which they say they won't do, or something else, or they have to beat some sort of a tactical retreat. So we'll see how they frame it. But so far, it's only been sort of minor government figures speaking out. And what do all these changes under the Law and Justice Party over the past few years, including the control of the judicial system, mean for democracy overall in Poland? Do Poles still feel like they're living in a democratically ruled state? Well, it depends who you ask. Um, Peace is very much a party. It's not a sort of an urban party. It's a party, traditionally at least, uh, in the countryside. And most people there are, for many years, were quite happy with how the government was operating. They were slightly less happy with with the pandemic response. But, you know, the government has really given lots of boosted social welfare and other popular boosted pensions. So um, they really feel that this government sees them and sees their concerns. But when you move into the cities, people are really horrified because they really see all of the benefits of the last 30 years being risked for the, the whims of a one political party. Many, many people I talked to in Warsaw and other 
other cities, they say it's kind of ironic, under the cover of clearing out the remaining baggage of the, the residue of the communist era, they're actually pushing to impose their own authoritarian state. So they're very, very worried that Poland, which is a wonderful you know, country with huge, uh, wonderful history and culture, and it's a, it's, it was a remarkable place in the last few years to visit, they're worried that all of that is really up for grabs. And as we've touched on already, this all brings into question Poland's membership of the European Union. And there were mass protests in Poland earlier this month amid fears that the country could be set to leave the EU. Now, Prime Minister Matthias Morawiecki has said he's not pushing for Poland to exit the bloc. Do you believe him when he says that? And also, could we reach a point where Poland is actually kicked out of the EU? Um, on the latter, there actually isn't a way to kick somebody out. So I think Poland knows that and um, it's basically trying to see how far it can get. It's it's bizarre, but I actually, although Poland is, f- from many people's perspective, literally sort of running around smashing up porcelain and legal porcelain of the European Union, there is no way for other members to exclude it. Brexit, they had to create rules for Britain to go because of Brexit, but the UK wanted to go. Uh, there is no precedent, and as far as I know, no legal means to actually you know, carry somebody out of the EU. And I think what we're heading to, and Angela Merkel, the German Chancellor, um, alluded to this last week, where she said we're, we're heading to a really fundamental debate over what kind of EU do we want. Poland is sort of an extreme version of saying we want to go back to effectively the EEC, the European Economic Community, just a trading block where people are able to do easily able to do business with each other, but we'll leave all of the other questions um, to member states. Uh, Or do we want ever closer union, which is we'll keep pushing towards uh, a sort of moving in the direction of a federal union where member states are part of a larger federal body. And that federal body, the European Commission and the European Union could intervene on issues of, let's say, welfare or taxes. And, and some member states want that. So I think this is sort of maybe catalyzing that debate that European Union members have been putting off for many years, many years of crisis, that we eventually have to decide what kind of EU we want. And um, that debate looks like it's in the offing and Poland is pushing that. Derek, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. That's all for today. You can read more from Derek Scally on the political situation Poland at irishtimes.com or you can listen back to our In the News episode with Derek from July about how Poland's right-wing politicians are reshaping Polish society. In the News will be back on Monday.